Well, good morning again. You're all asleep already. We're in trouble. There we go. Devin just likes to make me feel better. Hey, uh, if, if you haven't been here, we're in a series called Enough, going through the book of Colossians. And this is the last week. But if it's your first time, that's okay. I'm going to get you caught up. No big deal. If you have a Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, uh, on your way in, on the table back there, there are Bibles. And, uh, you know, if you didn't grab one today, that's okay. Next time when you come in, go ahead and grab one. If you don't have a Bible for yourself or you don't own one, just grab one of those Bibles and take it with you. We want to make sure that if you don't have a Bible that you have one because we really believe here that if you get into God's word on a regular basis, that his word will get into you and it'll transform your heart from the inside out. So there's Bibles back there, um, but if you're all there right now, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 4 today, and we're going to read it here together, um, starting in verse 2, starting in verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door, open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Would you pray with me? Father, we've, uh, we've been talking about just how much you are enough. And so, Lord, as we end this series and go into this last week, we just ask that our hearts would be open to what you have to say this morning, that our understanding of how you truly are enough, you're all that we need, would take root in our hearts. Lord, I'd ask that in this time that this just wouldn't be a moment where we transfer information and that people just learn something with their head. No, Lord, I just, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that your word would transform hearts this morning, Lord. That you would allow us to truly hear what it is that you want us to hear. That our hearts would be open, that our hands and feet would be empowered by you to take this message and put it into practice this week that this wouldn't be about information, it would be about transformation, Lord. And Lord, as we go, and Sunday goes into Monday, that what happened here this morning would truly influence our tomorrow. That as we leave this place, we go to school, we go to work, we go to the places that the week may take us, to the grocery store, to the gas station, to the coffee shop, that wherever we go this week, that we'd be on mission for you that people that we interact with on a day-to-day basis would see a change in us, a difference in us, a a lighter feeling, a a greater sense of joy, peace, even in struggle, and that they would ask us why it is that you have such hope, why it is you have such peace and joy, why it is that you love others the way like I've never seen, and we'd have an opportunity to tell them about your son, Jesus. Lord, we give you this time. I ask that you would... Use me now. I can't do this on my own, Lord. I need you. Speak through me now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So like I said, we've been talking about this idea of enough and asking the question for the last five weeks, what is enough? What is enough? And we've been using a simple definition for this idea of what is enough. Basically just saying it's the amount sufficient to satisfy a need or requirement. The amount, uh, the amount sufficient enough to satisfy a need or requirement. It's, it's do we have enough? Am I, am, am I enough? Am I going to have enough? Or is she going to like me enough? Or did I study enough? Or does the car have enough gas? Or, you know, are, are my kids prepared enough to get out of the house and never come back? Right? Like, these are all the things that we're trying to pursue on a regular basis. This idea of enough, it can sometimes consume us. Consume who we are, and it can consume us to a point where we miss what God wants us to do. Now, as we walk into today, this final week, I was thinking about uh, my previous career is in law enforcement. Some of you don't know that I was a police officer for 10 years before I, I became a pastor. And one of the things I did as a police officer was I was a field training officer, which is short, we used to call it an FTO. And what would happen if you were a field training officer is that you had to determine whether or not the person that you were training, the man or the woman who had come out of the police academy, was ready enough to be a police officer on their own. Because they spent 27 weeks through boot camp and through training and taking classes on law and practicing high-speed driving and, and firearms training, all of these things, 27 weeks and then they would come out, and they would come and ride along with you, who was an officer that was seasoned for a while, and your job was to help them take everything that they learned during that 27 weeks and transition it into the real-life practice. So you had 14 weeks to do that as a field training officer. You had 14 weeks where you would ride with them, and you would take them from somebody who just had this idea of what to do to actually putting it into place. And here was the scary part that you understood, unlike a lot of other places where you train people, a lot of other places where you, know, you want to make sure people are ready enough, this is the scary thing that you, you faced as a field training officer. The reality was is that the person you were training could be the person that showed up as your backup in the worst moment of your life. You with me? So you had to make sure that they were ready enough. It was a serious thing. And one of the things you did was what any teacher would really want you to do, what any, every teacher sets out to do, and that's actually to take all the information, take all of the things that they've learned, all of the things that they've grown in at, through all of their training, and make sure that they now actually begin to live it out on their, in their life. That it would move from a place where it was just conceptual to a place where they put it into practice. Because that's what we want to do as teachers. If you've ever, you know, if you've ever been a parent, if you've ever been a school teacher, if you've ever been a Sunday school teacher, a small group leader, that's the goal we all have. Even as a field training officer, we all have one goal when we're teaching somebody. Hopefully, we transition the things that we're teaching them to a place where they take responsibility to do it on their own. That's kind of the whole goal, right? And so for Paul... Paul, the writer of the letter to the church in Colossae, this letter we call the book of Colossians, he's been telling the church in Colossae, leading these young Christians along throughout this letter. And through the past few weeks, we've been looking at all the things that Paul's been teaching them. And today, as we end this letter, as we look at what he writes in Colossians chapter 4, Paul's doing the same thing that I was trying to do as a field training officer, the same thing we all try to do as teachers. He's trying to say, okay, now, 
Now that you know this, now that you own this, now you have the responsibility to do something with it. But before we get there, let's look at what we've learned over the last four weeks. Week one, we talked about the fact that to receive God's enough, you have to make room. And those of you that were here, you'd remember that I had this suitcase and I I had it filled with all kinds of things, right? I had it filled with our house, and I had it filled with our checkbook, and I had it f- filled with our, you know, our health, our health care, and I had, had it filled with all of these things, uh, sports, all of the things that we have in life, because every single one of us, it's not like when we walk into the doors of Palmyra Grace on a Sunday morning that life just stops, right? It's not like it's, none of this even exists. No, we carry all this stuff with us, and a lot of us have a lot of baggage when we walk in here. Can I say that? And we're always, and one of the things about all of the things that we're walking along through life with, a lot of the things that we're carrying with us day in and day out, all of these things are important things. But if we're not, if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, especially when it comes to our faith, they can consume us to the place where the worry about whether or not these things are enough or if we have enough can make us to a place where we never feel enough, we're never satisfied, we're walking in a state of lack because we haven't yet made room in our life for the only thing that will bring us enough. And it's not a thing, it's a person. And his name's Jesus. And then the second week, we talked about the fact that putting Jesus first will make our never enough, the things that are in here that will never bring us that true satisfaction, more than enough. And Paul told us very clearly through his letter to the church in Colossae that Jesus is first in everything. Everything began in him, everything ends in him. He is over all. And if you never put him first, you'll never experience what it truly means to have enough in life. And he's not waiting for you and I to do that. He's not waiting for us to put him first. It's not like he needs us to do that. The reality is, is he is first over everything in the entire universe. And when we come to that realization and we surrender to him as first in our life, that's when we begin to really experience enough because the very next week we say, because his enough is enough. That's one of the problems that the church in Colossae had There were false teachers trying to tell them that, you know what, yes, you've experienced Jesus. Yes, you've accepted him as Lord of your life, but you have to do other things now. You have to add things on. You have to do other practices because it's it's not enough. And Paul was very clear, no, his enough is enough. It's more than enough. He He is the key to having enough and then Once we experienced that last week, we talked about the fact that walking this out, beginning to live this out, involves a wardrobe change. We gotta take things off. Take things that defined our old life. Jonah was up here, did a great job. Didn't he do a great job? Yeah. And we had to take things off and some of the baggage that we carry around and put on something new because we're changed to enough in Jesus. It's not just that he's enough, that his spirit inside of us, that he actually can change us, can transform us to being enough in him. And that's the key, in him. And here's the thing. For those of us that have been here, for those of you that know these things, for those of us that are trying to start or walk these out, we spent a month now looking at just how much Jesus is enough. And we go to work, and we go to school, 
And we go into the places that the world takes us each and every day, and there's people there. There's people there that have the same problems we do. There's people there that have the same experiences we do, the same stressors we do, the same desires that we do, the same feeling of lack that we sometimes feel. And what Paul wants us to see this morning is that if we know that he's enough, and if we've been changed to become enough, and we are becoming enough each and every day as we take things off and put more and more of him on, don't we want to share that with others? That's what Paul's saying. Why wouldn't you want to? My goal is that you don't just learn this. My goal is that you actually put it into action, that you tell others about it just like I did. Because when you have enough, it's meant to be shared. It's meant to be shared. Otherwise, why are we here? And so this morning, we're going to look at what Paul is saying to us about what it means to share this. Paul wasn't waiting until people became super Christians either. Remember this letter, there was a lot of problems going on in the church in Colossae. A lot of them were new believers. So if you think, well, I I don't quite have it yet, you're not off the hook. He wasn't waiting for that. He was writing to a church that had problems, and yet he was saying, you know enough about him who is enough to be able to take this and share it with other people. Non-believers, if you're here today and you don't believe in Jesus, you're here because somebody promised you a good lunch or something like that, and you just want to check out Jesus, this is a really cool day for you to be here because you're going to find out what it's like when we talk about you. Yeah. And hopefully you'll get to learn what our hearts are and what Paul, 2,000 years ago, what his heart was and what Jesus' heart is for you to know about him being enough. So Colossians 4, starting at verse 2, Paul says this. In order to start living this out, in order to start sharing this enoughness, continue steadfastly in prayer. Continue steadfastly. Really, he's just saying, be strong, be persistent in prayer. Make it something you're doing all the time. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Sometimes, folks, we want to do an awful lot for Jesus, but we don't want to do the prep work. And Paul says that you need to start with prayer. You need to start to get it connected to him. You need to start being continuing in it on a daily basis and being watchful in it with thanksgiving. We're going to see as we continue to go through it, Paul's saying you need to be alert. You need to be spiritually alert. In order to start living for Christ, in order to start sharing this message of enough, it requires you to be in prayer and it requires you to have a spiritual alertness When I was praying for the team in Haiti, I said that we believe that God is already at work in the world. We believe that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, sometimes referred to as the Hound of Heaven, is after the hearts of people that don't know him. And he's working on them. And then he had this crazy idea where as he's working on their hearts and lives, he actually wants you and me that already know him to join him and be part of the fun. And so we've got to continue steadfastly in it. We've got to be watchful. We've got to be alert to what he's doing. And our prayer time is one of the places where we prepare our hearts to be able to see him at work and to know maybe where he's calling us. And so he says we need to do that. But at at the same time, he's saying, while you're doing this on your own, pray for me. Pray for my team also that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on on account of which I'm in prison. 
that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now, we see a couple things here. First of all, it blows me away. Remember, Paul's writing to a church. Paul's writing to a church of believers, and if you, don't, if you weren't here first, the first week, you, you now hear this again, he's in prison. He's in chains. He's locked up for sharing the message about Jesus. And he doesn't write them and say, you know, in the first century, they already would have known this. You know, I'm in prison, and you know what? Unless I get you to come visit me and give me food, I don't get fed. Unless you come visit me and give me clothes or or a blanket, I'm not warm. Unless you come and take care of me, I'm not going to be taken care of. And so I'm writing a letter, and you would think if he's in jail, he may ask them to do some things like that. Like, hey, I sent Epaphras to you. Could you send him back with some money so we can buy some food so I don't starve? You think, I sent Epaphras to him. You know, winter's coming around and they're on the corner. Shortly you have an extra parka you can send this way so I can be warm. He doesn't say any of that. We are to learn from what Paul's saying. Paul says, what I want you to do more than anything is I want you to pray for me that God would open up a door and that I'd be able to tell people about the one who is enough clearly. Because Paul's not under any, he's not under any illusions. He knows that if we want to share about Jesus, if we want to tell people that we love, people that you and I, we rub elbows with on a daily basis, if we want to share this good news, and if we've truly experienced enough, if you've been here week one through four, and you really, God blessed you, and your heart was open, and the understanding of how Jesus is enough truly touched your heart, then the very next step should be, this is so good, I have to share this with people that don't know it. And if you want to do that, he said you have to be prayerful. You have to open up your eyes to where God's working and then you have to pray for open doors because the doors don't open automatically. They open through prayer. And then once you do that, he tells them to walk in wisdom with outsiders. Now by outsiders, he means people that don't know yet Jesus, don't know Jesus yet. You see, if we profess Jesus as Lord, If you say that you're a Christian, if people in your workplace, people in your school, people on your sports teams, people in your neighborhood, if they know that you're a Jesus follower, they're watching you. If if they know you're a Jesus follower, they probably think already that you're a hypocrite, that you're judgmental. They're probably waiting to see you fail so that if they don't believe in Jesus, they can say, see, I knew it. He's just like, just like the rest of them. She's just like the rest of them. They're watching you. And Paul says, you have to walk in wisdom. Because without saying a word, our actions have consequences. Our actions provide us either the opportunity or shut the doors that we're praying for. So, so far we've got this idea from Paul, right? We've got to pray, we've got to be watchful, we've got to pray for open doors, and we've got to walk in wisdom. And then he says this, it's an interesting thing, he says, and make the best use of the time. Now time here is an interesting word, and the original language that the New Testament was written in, time actually could be two Greek words. The first word is chronos. That's where we get the, the root word for chronological time, Right? Sometimes when you have a stopwatch on your watch, you know it says chrono. That's, that's Greek, chronos, chronological time. But there's another word that, that's a Greek word for time, this is, and that's the word that Paul's using here. It's the word kairos. It's kairos time. 
Paul's saying, don't make the use of your time. We could read this, and you could read this and say, I have to, be, I have to walk with wisdom, and you know what? I only have eight hours at work, so i got to make the use of this chronological time. And yeah, that would make sense, but that's not what Paul's saying. See, Kairos time is something different. Kairos time is an opportunity in life where God breaks in to the chronological time of the world because he's at work. And God's time operates outside of our chronological, chronological time. And God's time is time where he breaks into our world because he has a purpose. He has a plan. He wants to do something. It's Kairos time. That's why some of the translations that you have open right now, they translated this, make the best use of the opportunity, because it's an opportunity where God's working. You see, when we start to have a mindset, when we start to have a heart set, that Jesus loves people that don't know him yet, and those people that are in our lives have been placed in our lives by God, because those of us that know he's enough are actually commissioned by him to share with them about the one who is enough. That God, as we are watchful, as we're prayerful, as we're praying for open doors, as we're walking in wisdom, that God is going to break in to their lives. And if we will watch for it, and if we will be willing to participate in it, that God is breaking in. And do you, what do you think, think about this? You and I, each and every week, this means that there are opportunities where God's at work, and he's inviting you to be part of somebody's story where they've experienced the freedom of Jesus like you have. I guess I'm the only one excited about that. That's really cool. And Paul says we get to be part of it. We don't see it as a burden. We see it as an opportunity. That God, the king of heaven and earth, the one who is alive is still saving people's souls. He's still alive. He's still loving. He's still pursuing and that in your life, tomorrow through next Sunday, that God may just, just maybe have a period of time marked out this week where there's going to be an opportunity that if you're prayerful and if you're watchful and if you're ready and if you're waiting for open doors where you get to join him in sharing with somebody the greatest news that ever was. Making the best use of the time. And that's why we need to let our speech always be gracious. Boy, Nothing could kill your witness like a bad day at work, right? I mean, I've heard that from people. I've never experienced that. It's, other people have problems with that, right? Let your speech always be gracious. Yeah, God's given us his grace. He's given us his grace. It's moving in our lives. And that doesn't just mean to have nice speech. That doesn't just mean to flower people with nice language. It doesn't mean to be fake, hospitable right? Nothing drives anyone crazy, including people that don't know Jesus yet, than some Christian who's being fake with them, right? Just to try to be nice with them. That's not what Paul's saying here. He's saying, you've received, received the grace of God. Allow it to be poured out of you so that your lips just are dripping with love and grace and what God's doing in your life. And also, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Paul's like, hey, you got to spice it up a bit. Because nobody likes a boring Christian either, right? Spice it up a bit. You know what the best way you do this? I think one of the best ways you do this is to be solid on knowing your story. Be solid on knowing how Jesus has impacted your life. Really know it. Really own it. Take time to work on it. That's one of the reasons in our life apps, shameless plug, in our life apps, we're wanting to work on these things. 
Like knowing your story, and coming up in a few weeks, we're going to have one knowing his story, actually knowing how to have these spiritual conversations so you can learn how to do these things. Because your experience with Jesus is your story, and it's something that's very true to you, and it's something that's, I think, very, uh, though it's the same amongst all of us, the way that Jesus has worked, each of our stories are different based upon our life experience and based upon the way that Jesus has saved us. And you know what's crazy? It's been my experience is if we're watchful and if we're prayerful and we're praying for open doors and those opportunities come, that God has a way of placing people in your life who your story will connect with. That's the way he works. It's an amazing way because this is his heart that he wants people to come to know him and he wants to use us. It's so exciting. So again, I'm the only one here that thinks so, but we'll get there. And the reason we got to be ready for this is so we may know how we ought to answer each person. And the reason Paul wants us to do this is because it's what every teacher wants us to do, right? Every teacher wants them to do. He wants the people that own what they taught to start to live it out, to put it into practice. Because when you have enough, it's meant to be shared. Now, one of the strategies that you and I could put into place to do this, you're like, okay, well, this is great, Pastor. I, I'm, I'm buying it a little bit. But how do I do this? Is, is a strategy that we saw Jesus do, a, a strategy that he called, or that we call, the person of peace strategy. The person of peace strategy. It's one of the things we see Jesus do. How he took all of what Paul's saying, and I believe based upon some of the things Paul said, that he, he knew this strategy because this is what Jesus did on a regular basis. So if we look in Luke 10, I'll have it up here. This is an example of Jesus helping people learn how to share that enough with the people that they walk and live with. In Luke chapter 10, it says, After this, the Lord, that's Jesus, appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him and perished every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Just in a little aside, this is still true. There are still a lot of people that we rub shoulders with each and every day that Jesus is asking for us to be workers in this harvest. And he said, now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, a traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone on the road. In other words, don't take anything with you. Rely completely on me and make it a one-mind pursuit after other people. And whatever house you enter, first say peace to this household. And here it is, if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will not return to you. Now, this is weird because this is stuff we would never say. Like, I would never say to you, like, if your peace rests on him, or if you feel his, your peace rests on him, then you can talk to him. Because we don't talk that way. If, if I did, it'd be weird churchy talk, and we wouldn't necessarily go with that. But here's the thing. We're all adults. Most of us in the room are adults. Youth, you're old enough to get this too. You know when you are act kindly to somebody, when you step to invest in somebody's life, whether they're having it or they're not. You with me? You just know. And what Jesus is saying is when, you're, when you have this mindset, when you're, you're being watchful and you're praying and you're having gracious and seasoned salt language and you're, you're wanting to reach people because you have enough and it's meant to be shared, when you have this, you're going to rub, rub up against people, you're going to talk to people, and you're going to know which people are open to what you want to share what people are open to your life, what people actually want to be friends with you or what people don't want anything to do with you. 
And Jesus says, be self-aware and recognize some people are going to be open. And when they're open, spend time with them. Okay? Make sense? All right. And remain in that house. Eat and drink what they offer for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. That's interesting. So Jesus isn't saying that you have to be a crazy maniac and just go around from person to person all day every day, right? You don't have to go on the, you don't have to go on the street with a bullhorn carrying the end is near, right? And just, you know, go to house to house, house. You don't have to do that. But just maybe, just maybe there's an opportunity that he's at work with right now with somebody in your life, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody on your sports team, somebody who is open to you who God is working on their heart, and he's waiting for you to be watchful for that. He's waiting for you to pray for an open door because he wants you to be part of it. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there. Tell them, the kingdom of God has come near. Tell them, I'm someone who's experienced more than enough. I know that the satisfaction you're looking for, I understand that the needs that you have in your life are found in Jesus. And anyone who finds that is part of this kingdom called the kingdom of God. And my presence in your life and this message that I have for you to see and the life story that God has given me is showing you that God is real and he wants you to be part of it too. And when you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go into the streets and say, we are wiping the dust off, the town, off your town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Know this for certain. The kingdom of God has come near. Basically what Jesus is saying, how we can live this out in our life, is there's going to be some people that are open, there's some people that aren't. And so what, rather than being pushy with the people that are, aren't open, continue to be watchful. Continue to pray for open doors. And when someone is, lean in. Because we want to make the best use of the time, don't we? We want to be part of what God wants us to be part of. And what we see in this is that people of peace, they're people that welcome you. When you enter any town, they welcome you. Eat the things set before you. They're people that are open to you. Do you have somebody in your neighborhood when you walk in your neighborhood? Oh, that's right. We don't do that anymore. We just kind of pull right into the garage and shut the door before we get out of the car so no one talks to us. But if you didn't, if you didn't, and you walked in your neighborhood, you have somebody that every time you walk in your neighborhood, they come out and they want to talk to you? And they're friendly and they're open? They welcome you. Maybe they bring you something. They bring you cookies when they make extra cookies. They're, they welcome you and they listen to you. They listen to you. There may be people in your life that aren't Jesus followers, but they see something in you. That's what I pray each and every week. They see something in you and they will come up to you and they'll ask you questions about life. Verse 16 says this, whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. They may be listening to you. They may be asking you questions. They may be asking for your advice because they see there's something that in you that they don't have, and they want to know more. But the way they ask it isn't, can you tell me about Jesus? They don't ask you that way. They may just say, they may ask you parenting advice. They may ask you what kind of car to buy, right? They may ask you different things like this. They could be people of peace because they actually are genuinely interested in just learning from you. Then they're people of peace. So they welcome you, they listen to you, and then they serve or support you. 
Remain in that house eating and drinking what they offer. This is one of the hardest things for Christians, and if I could just step on your toes, because I never do that. It's hard for people in this part of the country. Sometimes we're too proud to receive anything from somebody. Okay, nobody here, just the church down the road has people like that. Paul Meyer Grace people, we're very open to it. But no, because sometimes the people that are open to you, they want to serve you. And sometimes they want to serve you with things that maybe you don't even need. But the reality is that they're moving close to you. And if we have a mindset that once you've experienced enough, it's meant to be shared, then we start to see just maybe, just maybe, This person is a person of peace. Maybe just maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe just maybe God loves them so much that he sent his son to the world to die for their sins and that he wants them to experience new life in him. He wants them to experience enough in their life so that they understand what it means not to have any lack and that they stop chasing after all the things that they chase after and still experience emptiness. Maybe just maybe he wants them to experience the love and the joy and the peace that I have. And maybe just maybe the king of the universe actually wants to use me. That's the part of being part of this mission that he's given us. And maybe just maybe this person's open to me and asking me questions and welcoming me because God is making use of me in this grand opportunity where he is breaking into the timeline of the world so that I can experience new life in somebody else's life. And if you've never led somebody to Christ, if you've never been part of actually helping them see that Jesus loves them, I will tell you it will transform your life. It will show you just how real and amazing this God that we worship is. And I'll tell you, if you've been here for the last month, if you believe that Jesus is enough, when you have enough, it's meant to be shared. It is. And one strategy we see from Jesus himself is this people of peace strategy. Now, I want to say just a few things as I finish here. And if you're not a believer here, I want you to hear this too. Folks, we're not called to make people pet projects. Sometimes a message like this can come off that way. Like we're supposed to find somebody and make them our project. No. That's not it at all. People can tell when we're doing that. People can feel that and know that, oh, you're just just being friends with me because you want to share, you know, you want to get a notch on your belt in heaven or something like that, right? No. The reason why I'm preaching this message is because if we've truly owned that he's more than enough, then our hearts should be bursting with his love and his desire that everyone would know this. And every act of us looking, praying for open doors, engaging people of peace is for one reason only, because the love that we've experienced in him has become his love experienced in our life. And now we love every person the way that he does. And we see them as people who need to know Jesus. And this isn't a burden. This is a joy. This is something when we've experienced enough, we know it's meant to be shared. And, this is, and the reason this is important is because of these two other statistics that, if I'm honest, they kind of haunt me. The one is this. Christianity Today did a study not too long ago and found out that one out of five non-Christians in North America, 
20% of non-Christians in North America reported that they never met a Christian. They don't know any. It's 20% of non-Christians in America reported they don't know any Christians. Now, my guess is that they actually do. My guess is they're probably in the cubicle next door. Right? Or they're in the the house next door. But 20%. The other statistic is this. Once the average person becomes a believer in Christ, studies have shown that he or she loses contact with all unbelieving friends within two years. Did you catch that? Once the average person becomes a believer in Christ, he or she loses contact with all unbelieving friends within two years. And it's not because they've reached all of their friends for Jesus and so they all became believers. Just in case you were wondering, that's that's not the case. The Great Commission has become the Great Omission. And for those of us who understand that the things that we have in here will never be enough, we have to share it. We get to share it. He's welcomed us as in part of this. So I just ask you right now to close your eyes. And think, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would give us some clarity right now. Who's somebody in your life that's a person of peace? Maybe they're in your neighborhood. Maybe they're in your workplace. Maybe they're on your team or in your class. But somebody in your life who you know they don't have a relationship with Jesus, but they're, they, they want to be your friend. They welcome you. You've had conversations with them, and they're genuinely, genuinely interested in learning from you. Maybe they've even served you. Like if you needed to move a heavy piece of furniture in your house, there's somebody you knew that you'd, you'd call, and they'd come. Holy Spirit, I just ask right now that you would give us a clear idea of maybe what the next step is. For most of us, Lord, I think that's probably to pray, to be watchful, to seek you for an open door, and then ask, Lord, I ask you, Lord, give us the courage when we see that door to step through it. Don't let this be scary. We have more than enough in you. And Lord, we know that when we have that, when we own that, when we walk in that, that you intend for us to share it. Father, help us make the best of every opportunity. To your glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Amen.